Welcome to the Managing Miscarriage Podcast. I am Melissa Whitman, founder of the nonprofit One Generation and our current initiative, Managing Miscarriage. We help women through the heartbreak of miscarriage, and as a nonprofit, we run completely on donations. Our services help thousands of women, so please support us by donating through our website, managingmiscarriage.com. Thank you for tuning in. Today, I have Allison joining me who had her first pregnancy and also first miscarriage this past October. Allison, thank you for joining me and sharing your story today. Thank you. So tell me about what was leading up to October. Um, my husband and I have been married for, uh, it was actually two years um, in October when I had gotten pregnant. And um, we had been trying and it was it was kind of funny because we we went from not really trying and not preventing to super actively trying. Okay, um, that switch. Been, right. And it was just one of those like, okay, well, let's just kind of like Google and talk to people and see what's going on. And we started learning about ovulation prediction tests and BBT. And then it was like all of a sudden we were going to try everything. And um, we started trying in February of 2017, so February of last year. Okay, February. And then you got your pregnancy test, a positive pregnancy test. When was that? Um, It was in September. It was actually the weekends after Labor Day. Okay. And... I mean, that first pregnancy, the first positive, that is so exciting, especially if you've been trying for a little while. Yeah. And it's, and it's funny because we, we pretty much knew immediately, like as soon as I had that missed period. Um, but I was kind of like, "Ah, I don't really want to take a test yet. Let's see, you know, like what happens. Let's see if it comes today. And then tomorrow came and it still didn't come. So we didn't take, well, not we, but I didn't take my first pregnancy test, um, until like two days after my missed period. And I was never, ever late. Okay. So I knew that something was, you know, that I was definitely going to be pregnant. And it still took us two days of pregnancy tests. And then finally a digital that said pregnant for us to like actually believe it. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. And so how were you feeling at that point? Um, I was feeling really good. I mean, I didn't, other than having a missed period I really wasn't having um any real pregnancy symptoms at that point um they started probably about a week after and um even though I didn't have any nausea I was already having food aversions um and I was super exhausted by the time I got home from work I could have crawled up in bed and just went to sleep So I had a really hard time just staying awake and being motivated to do anything. Um, And I did have like some other uh, pregnancy symptoms, like my my chest was fuller, they were very tender. Um, I had started feeling like my my pants were getting too tight. So I definitely had symptoms, you know, that I was like, okay, I guess this is, this is going well. And I'm actually being really lucky in that I'm not having morning sickness or all day sickness. And, and I was really excited about it. Um, and then we had scheduled our, uh, first prenatal appointment, uh, for October 10th, which I would have been, uh, one day shy of nine weeks. 
Okay. And did you make it to that appointment or were there signs before that? Nope. Still absolutely no signs that anything was wrong. I was still having all of my normal symptoms. Um, I was feeling good. We were really excited about it. I had wanted to hold off on telling our parents um, until after the doctor's appointment. Um, But my husband, Chris, had talked me out of it and said, you know, we should tell them a little bit earlier on. And I said, what what if something happens? And he was like, well, those are the people that we would lean on for support. So, you know, why not tell them early on? So we had told our parents, um, uh, I think I was about like five and a half, six weeks. Um, So everything was feeling good. Um, We went to the appointment and it was strange because as excited as I was leading up to that doctor's appointment, when I woke up that morning, I didn't, I I felt sick, but it wasn't like a nauseous sick. It was almost now in hindsight, looking back at it, like I didn't want to go to the appointment. Anxiety. Yes, exactly. It was anxiety. I was, I was very nervous. I was very scared. Um, But because everything had been going well up until that point, I was talking myself out of the anxiety and I was like, everything's going to be good. You know, we're going to see something. Hopefully we're going to hear something. Um, and this is like the beginning of, wow, this is going to be like really real because up until that point, you just see the two lines of the pregnancy test and you're like, okay, this is happening. But I, I'm a, I'm a very visual person. So I kind of like was really looking forward to seeing the actual sonogram pictures. Um, so we went to the appointment and, uh, we met with the tech and I had a transvaginal ultrasound, which was the first time that I ever had an ultrasound like that. And um, it was kind of like something from a movie where even though I had never gone through this before and I never had a sonogram like this and I never experienced pregnancy, I could tell that it was taking too long to find something and it it was taking too long for the tech to say something. And that was my, "Mm, something's not right here. Oh, it's a terrible feeling. Yeah, it uh, it really it sucked. So she um, she eventually said, okay, you know, there's a baby, but there is a problem. And I'm thinking like, okay, I didn't really think that she was gonna say that there was no heartbeat. Um, I thought that there was gonna be another problem that could have been fixable. And I don't even know like what I was even envisioning in my head. Um, but when she said that there was no heartbeat, I was like, okay, like then that this is this is not happening. And the strange thing is that she had told us that the baby was measuring two weeks behind what I was supposed to have been. So they assumed that somewhere within the last two weeks so the baby had stopped developing um, and had lost the heartbeat, which wasn't, again, matching to any of the symptoms that I was having. I wasn't having um, any cramping. I wasn't having any spotting or bleeding. I was still exhausted. I was still having all of those symptoms. So it was a complete shock because I think up until that point, I had always assumed that when you're having a miscarriage, that you're having physical symptoms. Right. The missed miscarriage. Right. Yeah. Is, yeah. yeah. Okay. So no heartbeat. No heartbeat. Baby's measuring then. What would it be? About seven weeks if you yeah, were I- supposed to be about nine? Right. Yeah. I was one, I was eight weeks, six days. So the baby was measuring six weeks, six days. Okay. And then what? 
Um, and she left us in the room and she said, you know, you guys can uh, take a moment and get yourself together. You guys can get dressed. We'll go in the room. You guys can talk to the doctor. And at that point I had lost it. And all I was doing was crying. And my husband, God bless him. He is just like a saint. He just kept, you know, holding me and he said, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this, you know, find out what's going on. Um, so physically I wasn't doing very well, but I don't think that I was understanding. I was really processing what was going on. Like I knew what was happening. I knew I was pregnant, that this wasn't a viable pregnancy and that this was pretty much the end of it. But I, I, I think I was still kind of maybe in denial. Right. So we, uh, they brought us into another room with the doctor and I'd had the same GYN for, um, Oh my gosh, for a really long time. I think I started going to him um, probably when I was around 16 and I'll be 36 next month. We have a very good relationship and he had known from day one, you know, that we were trying and stuff like that. Um, so he, you know, just met with us and basically gave us the same rundown about how this isn't your fault things like this happen. Um, a lot of like scientists, uh, scientists, uh, science and statistics and stuff like that. Um, and he basically gave us, gave me two options about how to pass the miscarriage. Um, he had uh, basically said that he would prefer that we, that I passed it um, on my own because I had had um, a cervical cancer scare. Uh, when was that? Probably about like two years ago, three years ago. So I already had previous surgeries on my cervix. So the way that he was looking at it was less surgeries, the better. Um, but he also didn't want me to wait too long in the event that if I didn't miscarry on my own, then I would have to have a DNC. Um, so that was pretty much where we had left it off at that point. He said, you know, just kind of go home, think about it, process what's going on. Um, and, you know, wait a few days, give me a call, let me know how it's going and what you guys decide and then we'll take it from there. And that was when we left the doctor's office. So you went home, you still have those two options right. and how did you guys decide what to do? Um, I don't think that was even part of our conversation about like what the next step was. Um, there was just a lot of, there was a lot of silence and I think that we were both processing what was going on. Um, our parents obviously knew that we had that doctor's appointment that day. So we, there was a lot of focus on calling them and letting them know what had happened. And I think Ultimately, I had avoided coming to that point where we had to talk about what we were doing because I think I was still in denial. You know, like I kept saying to myself and even to like my parents and stuff that, you know, well, this was a good thing that it happened so early and I know that this isn't my fault. And the good thing is that I was able to get pregnant, so I'll be able to get pregnant again. But I really wasn't thinking that far in advance. 
Um, I think the doctor's office did end up calling me a few days later just to see what we were going to do. And I don't even think I put much thought into it, but I just said, we're going to wait it out and let's see if we, if it happens naturally. I do remember them offering a DNC date and it was actually on our second wedding anniversary. And immediately I was like, no, that day is not going to work out. Like, I'm not going to have this ruin, you know, like our wedding anniversary. Right. Um, but he definitely gave us some time. And uh, eventually, three weeks later, when I still didn't miscarry on my own, um, I scheduled a DNC. And that's ultimately how I, uh, how I passed the miscarriage. Okay. So you waited those three weeks. Right. Um, no medication though he didn't give you any medication to pass it you were just waiting to naturally pass it okay yep i was just naturally waiting the interesting thing is that um one of my very good friends had unfortunately also had just gone through a miscarriage um i would say probably like three months before i did so we were in contact a lot about what was going on and what her experience was because she was able to pass it um, naturally. And I, at that point, didn't even know that there was medication that could be given. Um, but the doctors had given her medication and she chose not to take it. Um, but the plan, you know, was just for, for me to just do the DNC and get it over with. Right. And how did that go? Um, I think the three weeks of waiting was probably worse than actually getting the news that I had miscarried because you go from going to the bathroom and wondering what you're going to see in preparation of hoping that you're not going to get your period because you want that positive pregnancy test to now going to the bathroom and wondering if you're going to pass the baby. Um, And because I had been doing weekly blood work to check my HCG levels, my HCG levels were were through the roof. And I had been kind of warned that I probably wouldn't miscarry naturally because my levels were not dropping and they were where they should have been if the pregnancy was healthy. Um, So I think that part was the worst, especially because I had to go back to work and act like I was fine and just mask what was really going on. And that was super, super difficult. Um, Oh, that's so shitty. Yeah, it it really, it sucked. And, you know, like I said, we had not really shared this information with a lot of people. Right. Um, And it was really just our parents, um, my sister-in-law, my brother-in-law. And uh, my doctor's appointment was on a Tuesday and I had taken off obviously that day. And, uh, went back to work that Wednesday and I was a basket case. And luckily I worked with two of my really good friends and was able to tell them what was going on because they had no inkling that I was pregnant either. Um, And they were an amazing support system to me at work. And, you know, if I needed to be left alone, they left me alone. If I needed to cry and I needed somebody there for me, they were there. And it was an absolute blessing. Wow. Um, That's so wonderful. Yeah, I was very, very, very lucky in that aspect. Um, but the interesting thing that, and one of the points that I had wanted to, to at least a story that I wanted to share on the podcast um, was I thought I was handling it well, at least as well as I could have expected to have been handling it. Um, 
knowing that I was crying every day and I was crying a lot, but there was one instance where I uh, finally scheduled the DNC and uh, Chris and I went to the hospital and I had to do all of that pre-surgery blood work and stuff like that. And uh, as we're leaving the hospital, uh, a mom, a new mom and her baby are getting rolled out you know, in the wheelchair. And I was like, oh, this really sucks. Oh. Um, and it was, I think, the first time that I had discussed the miscarriage with a stranger because, you know, obviously you're with the nurses and they're like, okay, well, do you know why you're here and, you know, what procedure you're getting? Um, so even just talking with them about what was going on, I was, I was already upset. Um, not that they were upsetting me, but it was just, you know, because of the, the situation. Right. So I was already crying and I was already uh, emotional and I just wanted to go home and I just wanted everything to uh, be over and done with. And Chris had seen me and I was just hysterical crying and I just, you know, went straight to the car and he was like, oh my God, like what's wrong? Did somebody say something to you? What happened? Why are you crying? And I remember I was so upset with him because... I was like, what do you mean, why am I crying? Like, are you not in the same moment that I'm in right now? And he looked at me and he said, but Allison, this is the second time that I've seen you cry. And the first time was at the doctor's office. And then now here we are three weeks later. And that was my, oh crap moment. Like, I thought I was wearing my heart on my sleeve, you know, and I was being very open about how I was being affected by this and how I was feeling and how, and the struggles I was having. And in fact, it was the complete opposite because my husband had, was clueless. So if my husband was clueless, how was the rest of my support system supposed to know how I was feeling and what I needed and what kind of support they could have or should have given me at that time? So now that I'm looking back at it, I was like, wow, I, I really did not handle that as well as I could have. And I just know that there's been a lot of other women when they're sharing their stories that I've been listening to on your podcast who have said the same thing. It's just that continuous, like, oh my God, that, that was me. You know, like everybody goes through the same thing and it's just really, really crazy. Wow. Wow. Yeah. What insight. Yeah. So for other people listening who are maybe a little bit more uh, closer to it, having just happened, what would have been helpful for you for someone to sit you down and say, Hey, you know, let's really talk about this or for, you know, something you could have done. I'm just trying to brainstorm here so we can, you know, maybe help somebody else out. Yeah. Um, I think that for women who are going through a miscarriage, I, I think that we need to say to ourselves and maybe, you know, have it said to us that it's okay for us to not know how we're feeling and to not know what it is that we need. Um, and just cry if we have to cry. Like, like I said, I was looking back and, and thinking back as to like what I was doing and maybe how I did it wrong or something like that. And you didn't I do realized it you didn't do it wrong. I promise no, you didn't do it wrong. Yeah, right. I know I, what, what yes. I mean by doing it wrong is yes. how can I offer suggestions, you know, like for other people to, to for, you know, maybe for, for like for me to learn. 
Um, but I realized that a lot of the crying that I was doing it was behind closed doors. And that was hard because I felt like I had to take the burden. And okay. I want to say that to, to other women, you don't have to take the burden that, you know, like this is just a really crappy situation. And even for those of us who think that we're strong and that we can and we don't need the help and we can get through this on our own, that you don't have to put that pressure on yourself. I love that. You don't have to be strong. You don't have to be strong. strong. And just because we're having a weak moment or we're, you know, struggling being challenged by something, that that's okay too. And that doesn't mean that on the other side of this stronger than, than we came in. And that was, you know, that was a huge lesson lesson for me to learn. Um, I love that. That's such but, good insight. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I know one of the other things that had helped me, um, and I didn't even know that it was actually an option, but part of getting the DNC, um, we were able to do chromosomal testing on the tissue. And uh, we were able to find out that there was an abnormality with the baby so it didn't matter if i had miscarried at six weeks or nine weeks um or later on in the pregnancy that the pregnancy overall was just not viable and that was huge relief for me because i began questioning myself right was there something that i did wrong like was there something that i could have done different was it that one day that i forgot to take my prenatal you know or you know that that extra cup of coffee that i had maybe i shouldn't have done that um, so while I know that, you know, everybody's preference as far as what's better for them as to how they're passing their miscarriage is going to be different for everybody. You know, if you want to just wait to do it naturally, um, or to go in and have the surgery, but that was helpful for me to know that, um, this was the closure that I needed. And this gave me the peace and knowing that there wasn't anything that I could have done differently that I, like you said, I had done everything right. I want to leave it right there. I mean, that's, that is the perfect ending. That's the perfect ending. And I'm so glad you got some closure. I know it's still shitty. It's still hard. Um, but it's beautiful that you got some answers out of this. Yes. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me.